Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome to the March 2023 edition of Masters of the Universe. I'm Eric Kazatsky, head of municipal strategy here at Bloomberg Intelligence. And once again, joined by my co-host, Karen Altamirano, also of BI. If the rates market had been pining for a pivot, they may have just gotten their wish. The only caveat being it came at the expense of a few bank failures, thousands of awful Twitter takes, and the introduction of a new depository backstop facility from the federal government. While the bank failure Michigas is a secondary derivative to our market, the most impactful fallout is the sharp drop in rates across the curve. Joining us to talk all things macro and micro when it comes to Miniland is Paul Malloy, head of municipal investment at Vanguard. Paul's background, he is no stranger to the fixed income landscape, having focused on various products and aspects of the market since 2005. Paul, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So look, in our prep for today, I got a copy of your bio, um, but admittedly, I also did a little bit of LinkedIn stalking. And what struck out of me, it was so interesting. It's so rare to see someone spend their entire career at one company. You know, if you, if you just don't see that very often on LinkedIn. And it's like, to me, it's very impressive. Um, and also, it really must be a testament to Vanguard and the culture there. Could you walk us through just some of the progression and your responsibility at your time at Vanguard? I mean, just for people who aren't familiar with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I started right out of school, um, started off in the, uh, in the back office doing cash rec. I think it was technically technically hourly, um, and you know that's the the great great thing about Vanguard is there's you know a ton of room for progression, and a ton of investment in you. With the right mission of doing the right thing, and you know, when people come in from the outside, they wait for the shoe to drop, but it never yeah. does, and you know that's why you see a lot of long tenured people like myself is, you know, we've got a got a really great mission, and we're heavily invested in to carry out that mission. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Well, you know, I want to get started with obviously for the recent market making headlines. They're, they're sort of hard to ignore. Um, obviously, we've had a lot of fear and volatility introduced into the market as if we didn't even have that before. Um, but does any of this disruption change anything for that mission at Vanguard or specifically the Muni mission at Vanguard? No, no, I think um, this is what happens. In markets, you get disruptions from time to time. And one of the biggest things you have to do is clear away the noise and be focused on investing and not speculating. You know, so this is a this is a time right now where you could spend a lot of time speculating. This bank, that bank, where's interest rates gonna go? 25 from the Fed, any number of things you could speculate about. That's not really investing. Sure. You take a step back and say, you know, what's really going on? in the markets, in the economy. Broadly speaking, we're still growing. Albeit at a slower pace, we're still growing. There's still some lingering inflation in the services sector that the Fed needs to address. And on the other side of that, from a municipal standpoint, municipals look pretty cheap, particularly on the credit front. Yields are as high as they've been in decades. So you start to put these together and it's actually a pretty good investing environment for for fixed income, you've got higher yields while you wait. And then as we've seen in the last few days, if some issue does pop up, 
bonds provide their traditional role as a flight to quality and mm -hmm. you know can offset some of your other you know equity exposures in your portfolios so yeah. this actually feels believe it or not normal this is a lot more normal now that we've gotten off of zero lower bound and got more traditional monetary policy in place yeah and it seemed like the market kind of shrugged off the cgi report a little bit this morning um you know as if they were sort of expecting that read to come in but like, i would also imagine like sort of the dislocation right now creates some opportunities right and the way i was sort of thinking about it in preparation for this is that you know maybe that provides some opportunity to move traditional bank deposit money over more to money market funds you know taxes that money market funds or any of the passive vehicles i mean are you guys looking at it that way too i mean i think we take a take a step back and look at it and say that with the with the number of hikes undertaken by the fed already money market fund yields have been attractive have been attractive for some time um yeah. you know put all the other stuff aside you know money market yields are as high as they've been in 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 many many years you know, our suite of products are, you know, run very, very conservatively and safe, safely with preservation of capital at the forefront, not reaching for yields. You know, so when, when you put capital preservation at the forefront, alongside where we are from a, from a outright yield standpoint, you know, yeah, money market funds have been looking attractive for the past few months. They're just unsexy to talk about, I guess. I mean, you don't see much ink spilled about like how exciting money market funds are and the rates, but no, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, from from a relative value standpoint and from a, just like a, a very, very low duration standpoint, they make a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, it seems to me that maybe some of those deposits might be heading more over to those sort of options. Speaking of opportunities, Vanguard just launched a new product, the first new ETF in several years. Can you talk to us a little bit about what the new what the new product is and why it launched now? Yeah, so um, you know, really excited actually. I have uh, VTES, VTES as we like to call it, um, you know, into the marketplace, and it's really just an extension of our of our municipal lineup. Um, you know, we've we've had an active lineup for for quite some time. At the at the forefront of it is is low cost. ETFs have been growing in other markets, you know, throughout the past, you know, 20 years. You know, we started off with equities into broader fixed income taxable side. And now munis are just next. The ecosystem has matured enough to be able to fully handle a municipal ETF product. You know, you saw our VTAB product that we launched in 2015. Yeah. Um, you know, very well over the past year and has, has grown and, you know, offering a, another part of that another building block in what will be a full suite of you know, municipal ETF products um, just seems like the next natural step in the, in the evolution of ETFs. Are you seeing like even more adoption of ETFs to like, let's say like a non-traditional, you know, end retail customer? You know, it's always sort of been my thought having worked in the SMA space that it just makes so much sense, right? To get instant access to munis as that cash comes in rather than just sit in a sweep account. Like if you, if so, if your money came into an SMA and you just bought VTAB day one and then just opportunistically got into the market in cash bonds, are you seeing that move or that shift? We hope to see more of it. Um, you know, we think, we think, you know, a short-term ETF is a, is a much better option than a, than a separately managed account that just, you know, you get a bunch of, a bunch of bonds in really rich and build ladders and it just kind of, yeah sits there over time, whereas, you know, you get the ETF, which is, you know, a much more, you get all those economies of scale. You get the cheap price 
you get you really get everything um, in, in a one-stop shop through on exchange liquidity you know so it fits yeah. right in there next to your your total stock market ETF without a whole lot of extra extra work Louisson wrote a piece last month uh, which looked at some areas of the market that the larger ETF products are missing out on uh, specifically it was healthcare higher ed are there any plans to create an ETF or similar passive product that encompasses all areas of credit? Yeah, so when we think about products at, at Vanguard, we think very holistically. What is enduring and what is out there for the long run? Um, you know, so, so you'll see us having very core, core product um, at, the, yeah. at the heart of our, our lineup. You know, VTAB, broad market. VTest, yeah. front end, broad market. Um, you know, it, and if uh, if there's something to be reminded from the uh, from the events of the last few days, it's diversification matters. Mm-hmm. Getting too deep and too niche can cause problems because you have the unknown unknowns. That's a you know can't remember who coined that phrase, but it's very real, and it's something that you can avoid through diversification. Yeah, so so we recommend being um, thinking a little more holistically about that space than, than tactically. You know, it's interesting. I mean, you, you mentioned the word holistically and obviously like, you know, that brings up the question of just credit in general, right? Um, you know, obviously like I can understand why you would want to avoid some areas that might have you know, less liquidity than you would like, right? Um, but like, how are you viewing municipal credit as a whole coming into 2023? You know, we had huge upgrade cycles in 22, um, almost like peak muni credit, if you will. But I mean, is anything change in your view for this year? No, we think credit in general is still pretty attractive. That uh, the, the outflow cycle of 2022 actually took a lot of stuff with it that, and, and, and moved it away from where fundamental value really, really is. So you know, municipal credit got actually pretty cheap. You're talking generically somewhere in the you know, 65th percentile range, which, um, which actually starts to look pretty attractive at those levels, especially given the uh, given the very low the default profile of investment grade municipal. You know, I want to bring it back to ETF just for a second, um, because this is something that we we write about a lot, um, pricing wars and fee compression. It's obviously like a a topic that just doesn't go away. And not only on the fund side, but especially on the ETF side. So obviously like Schwab, I think was the last mover in this fashion. They came out with their own version of, you know, two-minute abs, if I can borrow an analogy from there's something about Mary. You know, do you see even further compression past three basis points um, when it comes to, you know, muni ETFs or ETFs in general? I mean, is that something that you guys feel a need to even respond to? Or is it just sort of, hey, you know, let them sort of have that market? I think once you get down to a certain level of, of, of low prices, it starts to be indistinguishable. You know, what's the difference between seven basis points and six basis points? You know, One basis it's, point. it's being run. Yeah, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of difference once you start to get to get to that level. So then you really got to say quality. What quality are you getting on the back of that? And what is the overall organizational structure that supports that low yeah. fee? And that's where you look at a place like Vanguard with the mutual structure. We're running it at cost. Others may be running that at a loss. And how do you put together a quality product? Um, we've seen tremendous growth in uh, VTEP over the last few years. Is there at any point where you see VTEP getting too big? 
No, absolutely not. You know, the, the one of the most interesting things about the municipal market is it always has a release valve with the taxable market because of relative value. The minute that the minute municipals would sell off and become relatively attractive for crossover buyers, the market expands exponentially for you and your investor base expands. Same thing happens when ratios relative to taxables get too tight. Money money can move around within the taxable sphere. So there's a whole pool of liquidity, the whole way around it that will self-govern. The municipal market is effectively self-governed from a size standpoint. So yeah, there's there's no worries there from uh from a from a getting too big standpoint. Could you expand on that just for a second? Maybe it's like I, I just want to understand better when you say it's self-governed from a size standpoint. Yeah, that's the, the relative value versus taxable market. So we see it whenever municipal is cheapen up to the point where they're in line with taxable markets or even sometimes through in the most severe outflow cycles, crossover buyers step in and they will buy it. So the pool of capital available to invest in municipals gets big and that will sure. drive the prices back down yeah. and money will move in and out of the asset class based upon that relative value. So the size gets self-governed. There's, there's no way that too much money can chase too few products in municipals because you have the well, taxable market on the other side. Yeah. Sure. Well, it's interesting, right? Because we had so, we, we had so many outflows when it came to the fun side over the past 52 weeks, right? And obviously that's come back a little bit maybe in the beginning of this year, but were you at all surprised how well ETS did um, in light of that? No, uh, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't because one, ETFs have been growing outside of anything that was happening from a cash flow standpoint. They're following similar growth patterns to other sectors. Following growth patterns of equities, following growth patterns of taxable fixed income, following growth patterns of, so you're seeing it now in the municipal space. And then you had 2022 with the opportunity to tax loss harvest. It wasn't the reason, but it was a catalyst. And that gave an opportunity for money to move into the uh, into the ETF that you know took down one of the one of the biggest hur hurdles to switching and that's capital gains tax. So you know when you don't didn't have any any gains, you could switch. And you know, we would wholly expect a lot of that money to stay in ETFs. Um, Muni market has never experienced two consecutive years of negative returns. With rates likely to continue to rise through at least Q3, do you see any possibility for another year of negative performance in Muni's? I think it's much, much harder to get a to get a negative return. And that's just, you know, the mathematics of of yields. When you have a much higher yield, there's a much higher barrier for those returns to turn negative. So you know, the end of 2021 was really the anomaly where we were at low, zero lower bound in interest rates, tight credit spreads, everybody chasing for yields. That almost had no choice. You didn't have many basis points before returns turn negative. You know, whereas now you're, you know, hundreds of basis points higher. So you've got a lot of break-even room before returns um, become negative. And particularly in the in the front end of the curve, right? You know, the, the municipal curve is inverted in the front end, um, which means you know the the short-term yields are higher than some of the some of the yields in the belly of the curve. So it's it's actually a really really great time for a for a product like this. 
No, I mean, I would agree with that. It's interesting, you know, Muni's had a you know, pretty wild underperformance over the last few days, right? So two-year Treasury fell about 90 basis points. Um, two-year Muni's, you know, a fraction of that, maybe 20. Um, you know, is that sort of helping make the case, you know, to sort of funnel in some of those flows into VTest? You know, that there's obviously like a, a much needed opportunity set there? Yeah, last few days are hard gauge for anything because yeah, <laughs> muni market's never going to keep up with treasury moves that are this that are this violent, yeah. right? So you've got to wait to see and, and let the dust dust settle. I mean, we already yeah. reached you know, before I stepped into the room here. We retraced thirty five to forty basis points of yesterday's fifty five basis points. So yeah, um, I call I call it a bit noise. I will call it noise at this point. Yeah. You know, where are you seeing like the the best opportunity set as far as duration at this point? You know, obviously, like you want to tout the short ETF. You know, you have VTAP as the alternative product, but you know, on the active fund side, you know, where are you guys sort of um, you know seeing opportunities tactically? Yeah, really, it's a it's a bit of a barbell at this point where you know the short end rates you know look really good from a from a yield per unit of duration standpoint. Not a lot of duration there, but you're getting some yield pickup, yeah. and then you. The, uh, the long end of the curve is actually relatively steep. So you know, the 15-year part, 15, 20-year part of the municipal curve actually looks pretty good as well. You get some pretty decent roll down into the 10-year point. Do you see the curve uninverting anytime soon? Uh, you know, look, I mean, I spent my whole career hearing that the mini curve could never invert. Here we are. It's inverted. Um, and it's like, as many people as I talk to, no one seems to really have a beat on, you know, what's sort of, going to uninvert the curve other than, you know, obviously a move in treasuries, you know, that's obviously eased with the treasury 210 sort of semi-normalizing over the last few days. But like you said, it could just be noise, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, until we, until we get to the, to the really final stages of this, um, of this hiking cycle, you're likely to see a, likely to see a inverted treasury curve persist. And, and when it steepens and steepens back out, it usually happens pretty quickly. Um, but that's that's market timing. Yeah, I think we we know that we're not at an equilibrium point. It won't persist forever, but it could persist for some time until we until we see the final, the last final bits of the uh, of the hike cycle. Do you think we're close? I think we're closer. Now, we're closer to the end than the beginning, for sure. Um, but there's uh, there's still a lot of uncertainty around that, you know, and and clouded even more over the events of the last few days. You know, does this bring the recession a little closer? Does this end up being nothing, and we're still sitting out here with, you know, uh, inflation running in the in the five percent? You know, so yeah. it's uh, it's really quite hard to say at this yeah. point. But what we can say, I think, with with some certainty, is we are closer to the end than the beginning. The amount that's left isn't as material as the amount at the beginning. So maybe we get another you know, 50, 100 basis points in hikes, who knows? But that's not enough to turn your returns negative. Yeah. So um, I would just want to expand on that a little bit. Um, and we know you don't have a crystal ball, but with the core CPI, we saw this morning that core CPI is continuing to accelerate. It seems most likely the Fed um, has, to, has to hike this month. Yeah. What is the rate outlook for for Vanguard, and how are you viewing the inflation battle play out? 
Yeah, so um, like I said, there's been a lot of noise in the last few days. So you know, we still we still view the the terminal rate to be the key question. You know, the the next few moves are kind of almost neither here nor there. Um, it's really what is the terminal rate going to be? And I don't think anything's meaningfully changed at this point from a from a term, terminal rate standpoint. You're still looking for something in the mid in the mid fives, and um, you know we just have to just have to keep an an eye on the on the fallout of of, of recent days. You know, obviously we had we had um, a lot of challenges when it came to convexity in our market, and something that a lot of people don't really consider when they think of municipal bonds. Obviously, they found out how important that is due to you know obviously the call and nature of our market. You know, has as sort of the lessons of the last eighteen months um, has it made Vanguard sort of shy away possibly from lower coupon structures? Yeah, so we've been very attuned to convexity. In our, in our portfolios, um, you know, so this is this is an area we think we've we we do well in, we yeah. um, and we've been very attuned to it. So you know, we're we're constantly looking at the uh, at the coupon at the coupon stack in a in in our portfolio, and it's it's really interesting that over the last few years we've actually developed a real coupon stack. You know, you get twos, threes, fours, fives out there. It used to be just maybe fours and fives, and you were you know moving between between the two, but it's been a uh, been a fascinating development Absolutely. in the uh, in the market, and that relative value has been moving around quite a bit. Um, you know, particularly four percent coupons. You know, moving on either side of of par. Um, so that's been uh, that's been been an area we've been watching and trading very very closely. Um, we want to know what what areas of munis are you keeping an eye on? Taxables. What we've seen right, we're seeing right now, taxables and long duration are are outperforming with. Uh, we're seeing over three percent and five percent returns in both of those areas. So, just want to get your take on what areas or sectors you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, we're focused really at the big at the big picture at this point. Of, you know, we like credit and we like and we like duration at this point in the cycle. Now that we've seen more traditional correlations return to the market, where you get a risk sell off, rates rally, and vice versa. What we weren't seeing, the exact opposite of what we're seeing in 2022. So you know, we like credit because it's in some of the best fundamental shape it's been in for years on the on the back of all the fiscal uh, on the back of all the fiscal policy and on the tax revenues that have been generating far exceeding uh, expectations. So you know fundamentally we like credit and it's giving you some pretty decent yields um, and you're sitting with spreads at pretty cheap levels and then you pair that up with a uh, with a long duration position that. You know, gives you some protection for the unknown unknowns that may pop up, or when and if this recession actually does end up materializing. There's too much unknown um, out there for that. But you know, being long credit and being long duration um, is how we prefer to play this current environment. Given that we're we like credit fundamentals, and we believe we're closer to the end, beginning of the Fed hike cycle. I mean, let's say we do get a recession. Are there are there certain areas that you know, you would prefer uh, from an exposure standpoint than others? Yeah, I think it really starts to come down to your security selection um, versus the versus the sector allocation. That you know you're really going to start to see the winners, the winners and losers, um, you know, pop out. And you know that's always the case in high yield, but it'll be especially the case 
in, in high yield. You know, when you're coming out of a decade long low rate cycle, you know, you, you get to see who, who is floating along on very low cost finance. And we're gonna be able to find out, you know, who that is. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the challenges we've had over the last several years is that we really haven't had a lot of price discovery when it comes to high yield. And it was interesting as as SIFMA shot up, um, you know, the levels we haven't seen since the early days of the pandemic. I thought for sure we'd see some tobs online, um, you know, and and some names sort of you know get popped out. But you know, seems like they sort of avoided that fate with uh, you know short term uh, mini floaters coming back down. I mean, do you see anything you know? exogenous happening to sort of change that, that we might get some, you know, obviously true price discovery in that sector? Um, you know, not, not at this point. I mean, the, the biggest thing that we, that we look at are flows and, yeah. you know, the, the outflows gave us some, gave some price discovery and then, you know, things you have know, been kind of a little quiet and we've had a very light issuance calendar um, yeah. this year. That's the other part that gives you a lot of pretty good price discovery is when, when deals start coming to the market. Yeah. Um, but until inflows really start to pick up again in earnest and I know they've picked up some, but when they start to pick up in earnest, you know, I think that's when you really start to see a little more activity in the market and, you know, more, more of a driver of credit spread tighter. Yeah. I mean, what do you think is in your opinion, you know, is going to reverse fund flows in a meaningful way? Um, you know, I did a slide presentation last week sort of our quarter one update, and I had that change your mind, change my mind meme, right? And I was like, uni returns will not be meaningfully positive until flows return. And that, that's at least my thought process, but I don't know how we get there. Stability. At the end of the day, stability. Um, you know, municipal investors get very skittish whenever they see the account balance move around on their, on their statements. And I think it'd be really hard to get traction in the market until those until until the market just starts to stabilize and get get rid of some of this interest rate volatility, and you know, it's going to be really hard to do that until you get to the more definitive end of the Fed hiking cycle. You know, so we're we're near the end, but we're not at the end at this point. You meant well, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned um, obviously like primary supply being down. I think that number vacillates between 25 and 30% negative uh, year-over-year figures. Obviously, taxable immunities are a lot lower. Now, how has Vanguard been navigating that, um, you know, with sort of all the positive traction you've gotten on the flow side? That's something we've actually been prepared for. We've been, you know, constructive of the market since uh, September. Um, you know, so we were, we were focused on, you know, getting into things that we've liked for, for some time now, you know, running that long credit position, running that long duration. Um, position. So, um, you know, we weren't necessarily waiting for the flows to return. We were trying to take advantage of the opportunities in the market when they came up due to, due to other, other selling. Yeah. Well, I was going to sort of make the point that if you look at sort of how VTAB has fared over the past like year and a half, I don't think the flows have ever left. I mean, they've almost accelerated. Um, you know, we have this interesting chart where we look at ETF flows as a percentage of, um, you know, all ETFs, equity ETFs, and fixed income ETFs. And, Municipal ETFs have, have trounced uh, on a percentage flow basis, and you know, VTEP has been a huge recipient of that. Um, you know, is, is the anticipation that the short uh, muni option is going to sort of follow in suit? Yeah, I would really, I really hope so. It, um, you know, it, it checks all the boxes. It's low cost, it's broadly diversified, and it fits a key need for investor, investor goals. 
it you know, yeah. generates tax exempt income at a low cost. Um, yeah. And you know, you know, even though we don't launch anything tactically ever, um, the one lucky point of VTest's launch at the time that it came in is it's got one of the highest distribution yields out there. Kind of got seeded at a high point. Yeah. Which um, kind of makes it relatively more more attractive at this point than than any other any, any other product is just so fresh with its distribution yield. Yeah. That is the sort of main argument I guess ETFs get that their their yield is always sort of trailing the actual market a bit. You know, it's hard to get wrap your mind around that. Um, you know, it's interesting. I want to just go back in time for a minute. In 2020, uh, you guys actually uh, closed the New Jersey money market uh, fund. And we you know, obviously like to put money back to investors. Is there a thought that that might reemerge at some point? You know, obviously just given the tax talk coming out of Washington, um, you know, obviously higher brackets, um, capital gains increasing, such, you know, things like that. Yeah, no, so when, when we look at products, especially money market products, you know, we look at safety, safety first, right? This is, the, this is where investors put cash and preserving that cash value is of the, is of the utmost importance. You know, when you look at New Jersey, it just had a, you know, a lower credit quality than we were really comfortable with. And, you know, when we put safety first, you yeah. know, the, that's what we, that's what we, that's what our focus is. So there will not be an Illinois money market fund anytime soon. <laughs> I would not have it on the top of any list. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. So, I mean, like, look, you, what, you know, you seem constructive on the market as a whole, you know, overly bullish, I'd even venture to say, you know, what are the things that do keep you up at night? You know, what, what's hanging in the back of Paul's mind? That's like, you know, this is not a topic now, but it's like, it's on my pad. It could happen. Yeah, the, the, my biggest worry is actually that investors get caught up in the noise and get fearful and move away from the asset class unjustifiably because it is in really good shape fundamentally. There is yield into the market. And you know, the thing that really moves the market around are the flows. And yeah. it's, flows are driven by fear and it's oftentimes unjustified. So my, my biggest fear is actually that Fear oversees logic, because at the end of the day, if you're invested in a municipal portfolio, you need to be invested, you need to be invested over time, because you, that's the only way to get the tax-exempt income. You don't get tax-exempt capital gains by moving it, moving it around. You yeah. need the income, and therefore you need time. So anything that creates fear is what I fear. I mean, a lot of the opportunity set from last year came on the back of, obviously, like, a lot of swapping um, and we just don't have that sort of same dynamic setting up for this year. Uh, is there any thought that, you know, we just might sort of chop sideways uh, for the next couple quarters, you know, sort of without that impetus to sort of move things around within portfolios? Entirely possible. Um, the, only, the only thing I would say is, like, is you know, we, we still do expect some rate volatility and therefore, you know, convexity trades, you know, in and out of stuff as they swing from discounts to premiums. Um, is, is, is still going to be the trade that's out there. That's probably one of the more prevalent things to actually trade at this point in time. Interesting. So, I mean, like, aside from sort of the, the credit issues, you know, just from a market in general, I mean, are you seeing any sort of threats to the market 
uh, when it comes to bondholder security with any of the noise coming out of Florida, specifically like Reedy Creek, right? There seems to be two camps of people set up you know, when that discussion, right? There are people who are in the camp, myself being one. The bonds are money good. You know, it's Disney World. It's not a big deal. And then there are other folks in the analyst community who, who are very, very, very fearful that you know, this could be the sort of beginning beatings of a drum um, that could question and sort of put into um, doubt bondholder security going forward. Yeah, I put this in the category of, of noise. Yeah, you take it back to first principle fundamentals. Disney and that whole ecosystem is vitally important to the Florida economy. And because it is, it's a good, it can be, it can be used in ways outside of the investing merit. And, you know, we try to put those things aside. You know, when we look at and analyze uh, municipal investments, you have to put the politics aside and look at the economics. And, you know, this is one of those cases where anything else is, is, is politics and noise. And, you know, we, we, we put that off, we put that off to the side. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like the talk coming out of Washington regarding taxes, I view as good for our market, even though, you know, a lot of people don't want to pay more taxes. I don't know if it's actually going to happen, given that it really doesn't have congressional support. But, you know, I don't view taxes going down in the next 20 years as a real possibility, um, you know, sort of given the deficits the, the government runs. Uh, you know, that being said, how do you sort of view engaging people who are non-traditional muni buyers? people in their 30s, late 20s, into getting sort of comfortable with an asset class that, you know, by all intents and purposes, is looked at as sort of a, a boomer vehicle in a way. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those where you, you look at the broad scope of what municipals provide. You know, first and foremost, they're very, very high quality assets, right? And, you know, it's got such low default rates, you know, compared yeah. to, other investment grade taxable markets. So yeah, there's 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 other things going on in municipals other than the tax exempt yield. Um, so it's something to be familiar with all the other facets, could play a role, depends on everybody's individual situation. But being aware is is half the battle that at some point you know find yourself in a in a spot for it to make sense. And you wanna and you wanna make sure that that's a, an option in the toolkit. Yeah. I mean, and, and lastly, I mean, look, obviously this conversation comes up every time there's an election, every time we sort of uh, run into a government spending issue, it's, you know, is there a real threat to the tax exempt? And again, I fall in that camp that I don't believe so because it would just be a backdoor tax increase on basically every American. Uh, but, you know, what are what are your thoughts there? Are you something that you guys are taking slightly serious? Yeah, I think it's another one of those things that likes to get talked about, but is of no real threat because it's municipal finance, you know, funds such critical infrastructure across yeah. the United States. You know, everybody needs water and sewer. Everybody needs roads, bridges, you know. Infrastructure is vitally critical to a, to a well-functioning economy. And um, despite all the noise, the, the main principles still hold. Yeah, it was done this way for a reason. I, I I wholeheartedly agree, but you know, again, I think there's you know people in the analyst community who you know are are very much you know in fear that that's a distinct possibility going forward. 
Um, all right. And my final question, Super Bowl pick for next year. What are you thinking? Oh, I've got one Super Bowl pick every year, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, my God. Okay. We're just going to have to uh, truncate this whole episode uh, and, and move another guest in. Okay. I don't hate that totally, uh, having gone to school in Pittsburgh. So, all right. We can have a side bet on that after this podcast is published. All right. Paul Malloy, Dane Thank, Thank you. you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it.